We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with BiteClear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the Sooner Sports Podcast, your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Oh, mama! What a play! Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right, welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast. We call this game plan as we prepare for Oklahoma and Baylor look back on OU and Tulane along with the voice Toby Rowland I'm Chris Plank I think after watching the Lincoln Riley press conference I think my favorite call of Saturday night Mm -hmm. was the Abdul Adams (laughs) touchdown I guess I didn't notice it at the time maybe Mm -hmm. I was behind the the defensive bench or something but I forgot about that hey make himself a sandwich back there I mean that that That's pretty make, wide open. That didn't make the Learfield uh, highlight clip, and I forgot about it after the game until they replayed it today. So <laughs> sounds like I sounds like I had a beverage at halftime. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> it was perfect. <laughs> kind of waiting for things to take off on uh-huh. Saturday, and when they did, oh boy, Oklahoma rolls over Tulane. Uh, so what do we learn today? It was kind. Mm-hmm. I mean, Mark Andrews looks like he's going to be yeah, okay. Big. Now, that was good news. That Still- is good. I kind of thought. Uh, that maybe I don't turn myself down in my head oh, just a little bit. I, all of a sudden, uh, pop there you go. One, How's two, that? three. Yeah, that's good. All right. um, I kind of thought, well, maybe they'll rest him against Baylor, and then you got the bye week after that, just to make sure he's you know 100 percent healthy because he obviously looked like he was limping out there again the other night. But you talk to him; it sounds like uh, sounds like he thinks he's fine, and yeah. certainly uh, Lincoln didn't mention anything about him being banged up, so I guess he's okay. I guess the biggest takeaway for me still carries over from our post-game conversation about what is and what isn't targeting. And, mm-hmm. you know, Teddy brought up a great point on the broadcast, and then we were going in-depth down in the locker room right before we talked to, I don't remember if it was Coach Beanbower or maybe maybe it was Coach Riley. Just the vague nature of, okay, what's, 
what is the neck area? What right. is the head area? You know, how how general is that? Because, again, I'm I'm no official, but I sure can play one on the radio every Saturday afternoon. And We've never what, missed a call on the radio. We haven't, mm. so, which makes me think we maybe need to put some zebra stripes on. <laughs> but you, you could tell this was even frustrating for Lincoln Riley, and I think my favorite moment today, you'll hear the Lincoln Riley presser when we're done here, is a pretty good, pretty good reaction to adding it to the end of the podcast today, so we'll do it again today. Um, or in the past, I should say, we'll do it again today. But I think you even heard from Lincoln Riley that as a receiver, you get a block like that. That's your stripes. You know, you mm-hmm. it's kind of like some street cred back in the day. Anymore, it's gotta be a completely different mindset. So I'm uh I'm intrigued to hear what Walt Anderson has to say and what the Big 12 has to say, uh, to say because again, it's it's a tough call. It's it's a tough rule, I think. I, I think they missed it. I think Walt Walt is sticking up for his guy. Um I think that um and Lincoln says they're going to have more conversations about right. it because they want to make sure that they teach their guys the right way to do it. And, and Walt was working the Falcons-Packers game last night. so Right. Uh, I mean, he, he obviously hit him with his shoulder, and it looks to me that it's obviously in the uh, defender's shoulder, and it's not in the head or neck area. So um, it looks pretty cut and dry to me, but I I, I don't know. I'm just thankful – and hopefully, you know, coming out of the, I'm, I'm glad everybody's okay. Nobody wants anybody to get hurt. Right. I'm glad that the young man's okay who got hit. That was a hard hit that he took. I, I'm i glad that it happened in the game it happened in. I'm glad this wasn't first half of a, of an undecided game in which C.D. Lamb could play a major factor on down the line. <laughs> I'm glad point. it wasn't in the second half so right. that he can't play against Baylor. So um, it's a frustrating call, but – Oklahoma won the game by 42 points. Truth. And C.D. Lamb gets to play against Baylor. And hopefully that out of this there is some clarity both for OU and for the officials as to what exactly is going to be called going forward. That's what's frustrating about this because you look across the country at targeting calls or targeting non-calls and it's hard to figure out what targeting is. Yep. It's hard for us. It's hard for coaches. It's hard for players to understand. So what is targeting? What can I not do? And it's changed a couple of times. The rules have changed. The opinions have been altered a little bit as we've gone. And what happened Saturday night, as I understand it, as Lincoln Riley understands it, certainly as the 85,000 in the stands <laughs> understood it and voiced their opinion, that wasn't targeting. But all that matters is what that official and replay play official saw. And so if, if what comes out of this is a better understanding, so going forward, it doesn't happen in an important game. That's, you know, that's what I hope happens here. I will say this. It was a spark. I mean, I, I, again, you lost a guy who was putting up all kinds of numbers. It lit the crowd up for sure. It, it and that did. Team, yeah. Oh, my gosh. It lit the crowd up. It kind of really seemed to light a fire under the defense and – It'll be interesting to see now what – and you know what else? I oh, I meant to mention this to Baker. Can we go back and rewind the day? Can I go back to about <laughs> 11.45 when I was Let me know if you figure that out. The, That'd be good. Uh, it'd be great. What it overshadowed was a heck of a block from Baker Mayfield on uh. that play. And uh, I mentioned it right away on the broadcast. From my perspective, Baker's block happened right in front of me. I didn't even see C.D. Lamb's mm-hmm. hit. But, you know, Mayfield will get out in front sometimes on plays like that. And when he does, he's not afraid to 
kind of throw his body around, maybe much to the right. <laughs> lack of excitement All from of his us. coaches. Right. <laughs> I don't want to see him get hurt. But it kind of overshadowed that. And hey, we got back to business, and the Sooner defense stepped up. Parnell Motley continues to make play after play after play. Uh, we talked to Stephen Parker. They feel good. And you have that leadership. I thought another good moment from today, Lincoln Riley said, I don't know if, if Oboe would have been as successful a couple of years ago as he was Saturday as he's learning how to, yeah. I don't know if the term is pace yourself, but be smart with your with your speed and your eyes. And I think you're, I saw the growth of a captain on Saturday too with Oboe in this defense. Agree with everything you said. And I hope that it doesn't get lost in the CeeDee Lamb block controversy the day he had. Yeah. Thank you. Before that. Right. Uh, two touchdowns. The catch on the OU sideline that wasn't a touchdown, right. where he went 12 feet in the air, it looked like, to grab it. Insane. Was his most spectacular catch of the day. And I think we have an answer now to one of our preseason questions, which was uh, what playmakers are going to emerge at wide receiver and running back. That's still a question at running back. Now, they've played well there. And I like them all. I like what I've seen from Abdul Adams and Trey Sermon. And, but the one guy has yet to really put himself head and shoulders above everybody else. But CeeDee Lamb's a star. CeeDee Lamb, through three games as a true freshman, has showed us he's next. He's the next in the line of Clayton and Shepard and Westbrook and Stills. It's Lamb. That's the next name that you're going to see there, number nine, because that kid is – fast he's big he can jump out of the gym uh to borrow a basketball phrase <laughs> he's got great hands everybody who knows him have you had a chance to talk to him uh we he he was in the red room mm-hmm. whenever we were waiting for our interviews in the running backs room so we did not get a chance to talk everybody says to he's sharp delightful personality uh i love cd lamb good love cd lamb and I agree. I just can't wait to get him on. Maybe we'll get him on the postgame show after Baylor. You know, I, uh, you and I will be down there, obviously, whenever everyone kind of takes off on the plane. So maybe we'll get some extra time with CeeDee Lamb. With that said, a- another underappreciated storyline, maybe, and some might say, oh, I'm appreciating it like crazy, but it was the bounce back of Abdul Adams. Yeah, he played well. He really did. Mm-hmm. And I was just as, as I was waiting for you and Chad to wrap up your TV responsibilities, I was watching some of the video highlights. And obviously, a lot of it is a credit to the offensive line. But being behind the benches, I noticed that there was a huge coaching point for these guys to make sure that they're following their blocks and they're, and they're finding the right lanes. And as soon as that conversation took place, Abdul Adams went in and made some plays. So as far as that timing, I thought that was reassuring coming off a fumble two Saturdays ago at Columbus. He's, he's been a nice little maybe underappreciated storyline so far this year because you had Trey Sermon step up against Ohio State. You had, oh, my gosh, you Marcelli Sutton. You named the running back mm-hmm. <laughs> from Saturday night. But here's a guy that's been pretty consistent through the first three games. Good for him. I, I, you're right. He ran the ball hard. He looked like the best back we had yep. on Saturday. I think one of the things you're seeing here early in the year is that Lincoln is true, is telling the truth when he says he's going to play whoever is best on that night, and maybe it's whoever had the best week of practice. We've all been on teams. I was on a team one time where I wasn't, I wasn't the starter, and it was frustrating when you'd go have like a basketball. You'd have a better practice than the other guy mm-hmm. at your position. 
and you'd shoot better than him that week, and then you know it'd get time to the game, and well, that guy's our starter. I mean, he's playing. <laughs> I'm good for you for having a good week, but he's our starter, and that hasn't been the case for Lincoln so far. I mean, whoever is having the better week of practice is going to play, and then even once the game starts, whoever's having the better better game is going to keep playing. And against Ohio State, that was Trey Sermon at running back. And against Tulane, that was Abdul Adams and Marcellius Sutton. And then even at wide receiver, Marquise Brown doesn't touch the field against Ohio State. He is their leading receiver and the Big 12 Newcomer of the Week <laughs> against Tulane. Dimitri Flowers is still running over Buckeyes. Unreal. Never touched the ball against Tulane the next no. week. If I, I don't think a ball was thrown his no, way. he didn't have a reception um, or a rush. So, uh, but that's... I think it makes Oklahoma incredibly difficult to scout right now because other than Baker Mayfield, what are they throwing at you? I mean, it could literally be the kitchen sink. I mean, they just have they have a Lincoln Riley has a uh, a closet full of weapons, and he just goes in every week and says, "All right, this week I'm going this one, this one, and this one." Good luck figuring out who I'm going to use next week. By the way. <laughs> And I think it also makes a, an unbelievably competitive situation in practice where they know that they're watching and they're going to play the guy who's best, which is it usually brings out their best. I had to laugh. I don't know if we talked about this on the air. So this is a podcast exclusive, if you will. But Coach Bill Biedenboe has become one of my favorites. Uh, I enjoy talking to him. He's got an awesome family, and I think he's he's a head coach somewhere in the future. But for now, he's our uh, offensive co- offensive wish him coordinator, away yet, yeah. and he's our offensive line coach. And he kind of laughed whenever we wrapped up our about five minute interview with him post game. Uh, he looked at the score sheet and said, "Huh, 631 yards, 62 plays." And he looked up at Teddy and I goes, "And I'm still mad." And he, laughed. <laughs> <laughs> and, but that that to me was a very I don't want to say reassuring thing because there's nothing in Chris Plank's body or Toby Rowland's mind that said, well, the coaches are satisfied. They feel good about things. They're tearing down the goalposts. Yeah. But just to even say that they acknowledge, all right, listen, we we play pretty good. And it took us a while to get things going against Tulane, and we still put up 631 yards, and maybe it wasn't our overall best effort. And Baker said it was his worst yeah. game in a year. Yeah. And they put up over 600 yards of offense. That's unbelievable. Yeah, you know what? I I just now realized I pulled the stat sheet up because I wanted to check total yardage. We were four of seven on third down. Mm-hmm. Four of seven. That's one area this season where I feel like, and I know as soon as I pull up the overall numbers, it's probably not going. I feel like this team has been really good on third down so far. It's right season. at fifty percent. It's it's uh, it's right at fifty percent. Honestly, the number if you look up their third downs that'll catch your eye is there haven't been very many of them. That's I mean, true. They've they've. Uh, They've gone Whoa, to third 12 down. of 25. Yeah, through three Holy, games, 20, 25 third downs. So that, that's um, – and they're averaging eight third downs a game. Their opponents have had 41 not, so far. Not picking up – that's how many times they've gone to third down. Wow. So it's hard to get to 631 yards of offense and only go to third down seven times. But that's what happened on Saturday. Ooh, I know a stat I'm looking for now. I want to know what their average second down range is. Because what does Teddy always talk about? Second down and four, second mm-hmm. down and, and five, that's that's where you can really open up your playbook a little bit. I, it seems like that's been about what we've averaged so far, right? It, 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 they've done well there, and they've had a whole lot of big plays. I mean, yeah. they just, on first or second down, they're picking up chunk yardage. They led the nation in uh, yards of uh, plays of 20-plus yards going into Saturday. And I don't know how many of them they had Saturday, but I bet they're still either at – 
the top or close to it in that category. And that's an area where we thought, well, no D.D. Westbrook, no Joe Mixon, no Samaje P. Ryan. Is this team going to be able to make the big plays this year? But I mean, they've repeatedly made big chunk plays with this offense. And just kind of transitioning to Baylor, of the many areas they've struggled with this year, I think uh, that they are uh, completing 40% of their passes collectively. The quarterbacks have completed 40% of their passes, and they are 20% on third downs. Oh, And they've had a bunch of third downs. So one out of five third downs they've converted so far this year, which is no good, but also scares you a bit because, you know, you get a team like that and you figure, well, they're kind of due to put it together on any given night. I hope it's not Saturday. Yeah, uh, as as well. And I'd like the point that Coach Riley brought up, which you'll hear coming up in just a bit, about 10 minutes from now, when he said everyone looks at the start of conference season as a chance to wipe the slate clean. And, again, 0-3, understand the, lo- the loss to Liberty, UTSA, even Duke to a certain degree can be embarrassing for a member of this conference. But Matt Rule's a pretty good coach. They beat Oklahoma. None of that matters for them. (laughs) No one remembers that. It is a a stark contrast heading there for the 530 kick on Saturday night to where we were last time. My, how things have changed since two years ago. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. It, it, It was funny because as I was kind of putting together some prep, Yesterday, while watching America's team dominate the New York Jets, um, it was it was amazing. I kept trying to think, okay, well, wait, when did we go back? Because it just didn't seem like that was our last trip. And for those that are, that was uh, two top ten teams, I think Baylor was in the top five at that point, maybe maybe sixth overall. Game day was there. It, it was the first game in McLean Stadium for Oklahoma. The rain started to fall. You had just an emotional game mm-hmm. back and forth. Defenses stepped up late. I mean, it was very it, physical. I was a lot of trash talk. I was so juiced after that game because we had stayed and we were staying now. I don't in what is it Trenton Temple Te- Temple Texas. Thank you. And it's about thirty minutes south of Baylor. It's, it's more towards Austin. I got so juiced instead of driving back to the hotel, I just drove home. Mm. It was one of those where I'm, I'm just going to go to, and I just kept going. I was the the, the game at, at that much adrenaline in, was flowing. Oh my gosh! And I was the sideline guy. I can't imagine <laughs> what it was like for the players. And now you go back, and obviously it's it's a much much different feel, and a lot of different reasons go into that. But you know that passion is there for for Baylor fans, and they're looking for a reason to get back behind this team and wipe out some bad memories over the yeah. last couple of years. And it's just it's, it's sad. I mean, it's, it's unreal, right? It's sad what's happened down there, and uh, I I I think. You know, I don't know Matt Rule. I've never talked to Matt Rule, but from what everybody says about him and just the impression you get from hearing him talk, he seems like an upstanding guy who has a pretty good chance of of uh, weathering the storm down there as best you can. I mean, it's a bad storm. Um, but it's going to take a while. I mean, it's, you know, the damage that's been done down there is going to take a while for them to, I think, come out the other side of it. And for the sake of the Big 12 – you know, I hope they can. I hope I, I hope they can get back to where they are uh, uh, competitive in this conference, and um, you know, can can be as good as they were at one point. That there. was a heck but, of a rivalry for a while. Was it? Yeah, it was. <laughs> Wasn't that crazy? Because OU Baylor was an afterthought for decades. Yep. And then all of a sudden, over about a six seven year span, thanks to Robert Griffin and Art Bryles and some great quarterbacks that they had, you know, Stidham last time we were down there and Shock Linwood and Sean Oakman and uh that was heated. They came on to Owen Field and just mm. 
I mean, they they dropped as Merv says, they pulled down our pants. <laughs> you know, they, I mean, they they exposed OU uh, on Owen Field on one Saturday that was really hard for Sooner fans to watch, and uh, gave us a pretty good butt kicking down in Waco one time as well. So. Uh, we'll see what happens on Saturday, but uh, it's certainly been a tough start to the season for them. That was a very rare Thursday night game. Whenever mm-hmm. we went down there, they had their had their blackout. Much different. Not situation. last year, but the Two, Floyd right. Casey Stadium finale. I think wasn't it? Ah, uh, yes, it was. You're right. So that was. Oh my, that was. How long have we been doing this? That now? was four years ago. Wow. We've only called one game in the new place. That's right, and that was the only time we've won when we've gone down there because you had our first right. trip. Our first trip down there was the RG three throw. Right. His Heisman moment, if you will. The second trip was Seth Russell, or mm-hmm. was it? No, 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 Bryce Petty on that Thursday game. And now the third was the incredibly nine. This is our fourth trip down there. I think we're going to see a lot of Sooner fans in the, oh, no uh, doubt. In the stadium Saturday night. Yeah, no doubt. They, uh, maybe more than Baylor. I mean, yeah. I, don't, I don't know what they're drawing right now. I know they're frustrated with how things are going. But, I mean, shoot, anytime OU plays down in Texas, uh, not just people making the trip because it's easy, but there are just swarms of – Sooner fans that live in the Dallas and Austin and Waco area, and they all show up. So there'll be a, there'll be a handsome contingent Saturday night in Waco. I, I'm sure some fans are curious, and I am too, because while we talk a lot, I don't know if I've really asked now, the third coach's show is dropping tonight, and you'll be live out at Rudy's, and the crowds have been incredible. You and Ted will have the huddle mm-hmm. prior to that at 6 p.m., so if you want to go out and get some great barbecue and enjoy Coach Riley and Teddy and Toby talking a little shop, how different has that been? The mm. now we're three weeks in. We're going into week four. Different than with Bob. Yeah, and, and not just that, but everything from mm-hmm. the the pregame interviews. You know, we talked about it leading into the season, but now that we have you know a third of the way after this week and a quarter. Uh, wait, we're we're a quarter of the way through the season. After this week, will be a third of the way through the season. What's has has it been noticeably different? Has there been anything that's kind of stood out to you personally in those dealings? Um, n- no, I, no, not really noticeably different other than let me see if I can put this right it's it's a different person <laughs> so there's a lot of questions that I had already asked Bob that are fair game again with Lincoln so I wouldn't say personality wise they are different they're definitely different but I think I had reached a point with Bob by the time he retired that we got along great and um you know that that show was fun and it was uh it was uh easier than it was when i first started just because our relationship had had grown i think and lincoln is a super easy guy to get along with as you know he's super easy awesome. and uh and is is just fantastic i mean just has been a pleasure to work with so far but Every question, like you know, we do those fifth quarters at the end of the, and you're like, who would you, uh, what's your, what's your wife's favorite meal or whatever, right. you know, something like that. Uh, well, I mean, you you multiply five times twelve shows times six years. I had asked Bob a lot of those questions, <laughs> and now I can go back and recycle some of those with Lincoln because we got a different we got a different person here. Nice. So from that aspect, it's been. It, I, I don't know. I mean, just the atmosphere in for that show in Rudy's on a Tuesday night has been fascinating this year because I think it reflects the fan base to some extent. It's electric, man. I mean, it is packed, and it starts uh, hour, an hour, hour and a half before Lincoln gets there. You got fraternity guys out there. Fraternity guys building walkways for him to go through, people bringing posters. Um, the line for autograph and commercial breaks is out the door and down the hall and around the side. And I mean, it's 
and when and he says something funny, I mean the place erupts and it's just cool. I mean it's just it's it's taken to another level, and I think he has energized this fan base, and it's really reflected that night. I mean, you want to come see how the, how the fan base is excited? Come to that show on a Tuesday night and watch their reaction when Lincoln Riley walks in the door. They love this guy, and understandably so. And he's a guy to like. He's undefeated. I love that. That's my new favorite thing is after it. And Lincoln Riley is still undefeated. Let's hope we can say that for a long, for a long time. time. Yeah. Here's some numbers. Uh, Baker Mayfield threw for 331 yards and four touchdowns. It's the eighth time in his Sooner career that he's thrown for four touchdowns in a game. I hope I'm not stealing these from stats. If I am, all credit to Dennis Stats Kelly. Might be the only guy listening right now. The win over Tulane was the 25th. In Baker Mayfield's career with just four losses, which seems crazy. The 25 wins as a starting quarterback ties him for fifth in Oklahoma history. And how about this from Saturday night? We were talking about the slow start for the defense and how much of a challenge that can be whenever you're going up an offense like that, going up against an offense like that. Um, Total passing yards by Tulane in the game, 54. That is the lowest yardage allowed by the Oklahoma defense since holding Kansas State to 45 in the 2015 season. They're off to a great start. I think they're allowing 110 yards a game, period, passing through three. And that's, um, you know, that's that's in large part due to the offenses they faced. I understand that. UTEP and Tulane weren't looking to throw the ball a lot. But Ohio State lit them up through the air last year a little bit, and, and they held them down too. So they're going to face some more prolific passing attacks on down the line here, and they're really that secondary is going to be tested. But through three games, they've done exactly what you would hope against the offenses they faced. You would say, you know what, they probably should have low passing yard totals against them through the first three games. Mission accomplished. I mean, they've been really good. Can I be honest with you? When I said twenty-five, Please do. when I said twenty-five wins, I kind of thought that seemed low. <laughs> See, like Baker had been here for so long. I'm like, wait, twenty-five? I went and looked and. That's pretty incredible to see what he's been able to do in, in his career so far. All right, um, final thought mm-hmm. before I let you go. Does Toby Rowland have a ghost Twitter account anywhere that he uses no. to tweet compliments about himself? No, but <laughs> now that I know, now that I have seen Kevin Durant, right? Supposed, supposed, that's right, alleged, right? Ghost account. I it did. I did think, huh? That's kind of smart. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I do not. I do not have a ghost account. I don't. I don't know. I don't think I know how that happens. Like I, I'm, I'm not more than one email address. I guess I'm right. Not Twitter savvy. I'm barely Twitter savvy enough to be able to send my own tweets. <laughs> not near Twitter savvy enough to know how to create a ghost account. So uh, that's awesome. No, that's All right. Be. Well, uh, listen, we got Lincoln Riley coming up. Toby, thanks, man. As always, yep. enjoy uh, hanging out with your buddies at Landers. And then, of course, we'll invite everyone to come out tonight to the Lincoln Riley Coaches Show. As you said, it's a fun environment. So it's a lot of fun. fun thanks, Chris. Speaking of Lincoln Riley, here's Lincoln's press conference from Monday. Yeah, uh, you know, really, again, going back and watching the film, really happy with the way our guys, again, responded, uh, you know, in the game against Tulane. There was a lot of, lot of different challenges in that game. Uh, you know, very – uh, some things that we've got to correct, certainly. Um, a lot of growth that still has to happen, but I think we're trending in the right direction, especially here heading into the Big 12 play. Obviously going on the road this week, going down to Baylor uh, to play those guys. Uh, got a lot of respect for Matt Rule. 
we were on the East Coast there at the same time for a while. Got to see the job he did at that Temple program. Um, kind of the transformation there was really, really incredible. He's, uh, you know, a, a really, really good football coach. A lot of great experience in his career. Um, also, you know, coached against him, I think, either one or two times there at East Carolina. Um, and also his, his defensive coordinator, Phil Snow, um, you know, is definitely one of the best in the business. So they've, uh, you know, they're, they're going to do a really good job at Baylor. Uh, you know, they've gotten off to a, they've, uh, a little bit of a tough start, had, had several close games. Uh, but when you turn the film on, you see, you see the potential and you see the growth, you know, in them from game one to game three. Uh, they've had a lot of guys out. They're starting to get some good players back. Um, they've got some really good experienced players on both sides of the ball. Uh, they've been very explosive offensively. Had several several big plays the other day in the Duke game offensively. A lot of big passes that they hit uh, that we'll have to do a good job of defending. Um, and uh, defensively, they're starting to get a lot of pieces back. They, they missed some guys uh, early. Um, uh, first game of the season against Liberty. You can tell the personnel is starting to get better, um, starting to understand more what they're wanting to do defensively and thought they had some spurts the other day against Duke where they played really, really well. Uh, so. This still this is a good football team, and it's it, it, right now it's a clean slate for everybody. Uh, it's you know the first game of Big Twelve play. Everybody's got a lot of hope. Everybody's got a lot of excitement uh, in regards to that. We're no different, and uh, we're going to have to show up down there ready to play. So we're, we're excited to be into the Big Twelve. Excited about the start that this team's had, but now now that's off to the side. And our total goal here is uh, getting off to a great start in this conference race. So, when you saw the Lamb play again, what did you see? Um, I talked to I've talked to Walt uh, Anderson a little bit about it. Uh, Going to talk to him some more. He was refing the uh, the uh, the Falcons game last night, um, so I'll I'll catch up with him here a little bit more later. Uh, you know, honestly, we were told that, that you know that they agreed with the call um, that he was that CD hit the guy in the head. When I watched it, I, I honestly had a hard time seeing that. Um, I've watched it a bunch. I understand those things are close, and I understand that they're that they're going to err on the side of safety, and and I don't disagree with that at all. But uh, we're going to have some more discussions to make sure that we are doing a j good job of coaching our players the right way, and that that we totally understand how it's going to be called, and you know, so hopefully we can avoid that kind of situation. Was this, was this a deal where it looked like there might have been some incidental contact between the two helmets that? Well, there's no kind of reaction. Yeah, there's there's no incidental. It's I mean, he there's you know, I totally agree with the Big 12. It was a he is a defenseless player. When you get in a peelback type situation, uh, that player is def is defenseless and there's we agree with them on that. The question is now was there contact? Was there head-to-head -head contact? Was there contact in that above the shoulder area? And and I I get it. It's close. You look at some of the views and you say no way. You look at a couple of them and you see maybe, um, you know, I think the, the player's reaction, the fact that the head never really snapped back was maybe my, you know, biggest point. But, I mean, I, I understand that it's close, and I understand that they want these guys to throw the flags if it is close so that they can get a look up top. So I, I get it, and it's close. And, of course, when it's your guy, it's, it's, it's harder to agree with it. So, Lincoln, are, you, are, you gonna, are coaches going to have to think about maybe coaching up different ways, like maybe just screen guys off or do something else? Yeah, no, it's already things that we've had to adjust, you know, offensively as far as blocking, defensively as far as the way, you know, the way we tackle. Um, you've got to understand when a player's defenseless um, that he gets a lot more protection and you've got to understand those situations. So we already have, but I think 
this one may even adjust our coaching a little bit more. Is he supposed to announce his, his presence there? What's I'm going that? to block you now. Is he supposed to announce himself or is he supposed to run along with him and kind of just get Yeah, no, you, I mean, you just, you know, you can't get anywhere near the head, you know, and that's uh, so if, if that's how it's going to be called, we're going to have to be more conservative about our approach with it. Just trying to be clear, did the, is, is there been a subtle change in the rule at all or is the rule still the same as it was a year ago? No, no, it's, it's still the same. I just think the level of enforcement, you know, is, is continuing to get stronger. Um, and I think, I think the, the, the thing that I see is if you're going to tell officials to throw anything that's close, then in my opinion, it should be, it should be clear evidence that it absolutely 100% happened because of how severe the penalty is. If the penalty was just a 15 yarder, not an ejection, I get it. But in my opinion, the fact that it, it also brings along an ejection, let's make sure that he 100% hit him in the head. And I don't think either one of us can sit there and say 100% either way. That's a problem I have with it. We're going to kick a guy out. That, that replay ought to absolutely beyond any doubt confirm it. And I think that's where maybe there's a little bit of a, maybe an area we need to look at. When, when you have such a young player like CD, do you worry about him being tentative rather than more instinctive when he gets called for a play like that? No, not, not him. I don't, you know, some young guys maybe, but you know, they they we just got to we've got to coach him better and uh he he did he did what we coached. So he he wasn't wrong in that. So you know, we'll coach him better and he'll take confidence in that and he'll be fine. As a player, is, is he as impressive to the coaches at his development and where he is right now as he seems to be to the naked eye with the rest of us? Yeah, he he's doing well. You know, he's making he's making plays. Uh, I think Baker's Trust and all of our trust in him is, is growing, you know, more and more each week. Um, so he's he's been an impressive guy. His his consistency so far has been really really good. Um, his improvement level's good. And he's obviously a very talented guy. Ceiling pretty high. Pretty high. Yeah. Lincoln, going back to the, the targeting thing, uh, how much do you talk to offensive guys about that? Oh, a lot. About it as a a lot. I mean, you get in those situations for. I mean, we used to coach. I, mean, I can remember back in the several years ago, we would we would chart peelback blocks. I mean, that was like a badge of honor, you know. I mean, that was like earning your stripes as a receiver, and uh, not anymore. You know, you just you just so you've we've we've had to change over the years, and it's something we talk about often. In even plays like that, where you know there's the potential for it, we talk about it with our guys a lot. Lincoln Marquise was named the newcomer of the year. He's another guy that kind of explodes out of the game. He, Keep having guys do that every week. How positive is it for your program that every week new guys are stepping up with huge numbers, are playing well, no matter where you're playing? I just think it shows that I think our the depth, not just depth, but the quality depth is headed in the right direction. That there's the overall roster is getting, you know, maybe closer to where we think it can be. Um, I think it shows the the way we've recruited the last few years. Um, there's a lot of competition still right now on, on all three sides of the ball. Um, guys see that, you know, hey, maybe I played a lot against Ohio State or whoever it was the week before, but that doesn't mean I'm getting one snap this next week. I've got to come back and earn it. And uh, there's a sense of that around our football team right now. What's injury situation? It's pretty good. I think it's uh, we're going to kind of see how a few of these guys respond. I don't think there's any, any new injuries from the uh, – 
from the Tulane game that would hold anybody out from Baylor. There's still a few guys from the previous weeks that, you know, Robert Barnes, uh, you know, Will Johnson, Cody Ford, a couple of those guys that we don't know on yet. But how does Orlando uh, mature both on and off the field, especially as a leader? He's, he's matured a lot. You know, he, in the beginning, he was, he was kind of a, well, almost like a wild stallion. I mean, he's always had the, the aggressiveness, um, but I think his confidence has really grown. And then as he started to play well, kind of late in his freshman year, he started to become more of a leader. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's grown a ton. I mean, the guy's changed his body. He's changed his outlook. Um, you know, he's done a good job this year. I know last year he had a bunch of personal fouls, even though, again, you love the aggressiveness. But I mean, he's even grown in that regard. Um, he just continues to do the things that we've challenged him to do. And because of that, he's, he's an impactful guy. I mean, he's a great player, but he also, he brings such an edge and such a mentality to this team. Uh, you know, that we get some of it from Baker, we get some of it from our other guys, but you've got to have your guys in the trenches, you know, that bring that mentality. And he, he brings it as good as any offensive lineman I've ever been around. What's changed for Parnell Motley this season? Confidence, you know, he's just, he's confident. He's physically better mentally. He's more comfortable with what we're doing. Um, and he's just, he's not thinking. He's just kind of letting his, his natural ability take over, his instincts take over. And, you know, as a DB, there's probably nothing more important than that. After a nice start like you, that you guys have had, what's the challenge this week with a team that's facing a team that's 0-3? Guys' attention, or no? I mean, I, we're we're two zero and zero teams right now. I mean, this is Big Twelve play, you know, and, and we're going on the road. We we know the challenges that presents, the opportunity it presents for us. And uh, again, you, we could say all we want about a record, but you turn on the tape, and there's a lot of good football players at Baylor. I know that's a really good coaching staff. They're going to get better quickly, and uh, they already have through these first few games. So we we know what kind of game it's going to be down there. It's, it'll be a it'll be a battle. And I know you, you probably weren't paying that much attention to <coughs> Parnell Motley Wade when he got here as a freshman, but how much progress has he made just in, in gaining strength and weight since he first yeah, got quite here? Quite a bit, quite a bit. He was really, really, really skinny when he got here, um, and, and that showed up. You saw the aggressiveness, but at times people were able to just kind of throw him around, you know, whether it be trying to jam a big receiver at the line of scrimmage or coming up and, and making a, a key tackle. Um, you always saw the athleticism, the instincts. You knew that was there. So. He had a great off season. I mean, he really bought into what Coach Schmidt and his staff were doing, and and he's, you know, you can see the results. Lincoln, you mentioned kind of there's no guarantees each to each week. Was there some Dimitri is your leading receiver at Ohio State? And I don't think he had a touch Saturday. Mm -hmm. Was that just game planning stuff, or something fit better against him? Or? Yeah, just yeah, game planning. Sometimes just kind of the flow of the game and how it goes. Other guys were other guys were hot. Um, you know, we didn't play. We didn't just. We didn't play in that personnel grouping quite as much. Um, so yeah, there's there's always kind of a number of reasons that go into it, um, and our guys understand that there's going to be ups and downs, and that's uh, as far as how many times you're touching the ball. And uh, but we're going to keep getting the guys out there that are producing, and and then playing with the the right personnel that we think you know is going to help us win the game. Is that also kind of life of a fullback? Um, I, you could say that for any of our guys. I mean, Marquise Brown, I don't think, played one offensive snap against Ohio State, and he has however many yards he had the other day. So I would say I think that's with any of our guys. If you know, that's uh, you've got to be willing to hang in there week to week. Not everybody's going to get 150 every week. Did Dimitri come up with any new 
<coughs> for you. Any <laughs> he'll he'll have something today. Yeah. Monday's Monday's normally his day, so yeah, I I know something's coming. You kind of commiserate with you're working at right now, offensively, the tempo you're at right now. Oh, it's 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 been good. Um, you know, we've been in a few of these games here where we've had some times to slow it down as well. Uh, and we've been okay. We we've. Uh, you know, we're still kind of figure out what's what's best for us there. You know, we know we're going to need to be able to do both. We've done both okay, but I think it's something we can improve at. You said figure out, still trying to figure out what's best. Along those lines, can you kind of commiserate with what rules going through at Baylor with, you know, you take over a program and you have a fundamental philosophy of things you like to do. But the guys who were recruited here, for instance, uh, Baylor, uh, run a different philosophy, run a different offense, different schemes entirely. He talked about fast wide receivers, uh, that kind of thing, when he got there. And he, here's a guy who likes to run the football and be physical. Can you Have you been in that situation, uh, whether it was at Tech or East Carolina or, or when you got here? Yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know as much about their situation. I mean, but I have been. When we went to East Carolina, things were quite a bit different, you know. And so you, as a coach, you're always sitting there trying to figure out, you know, how much of it do I need to push, you know, our scheme and the way we want to do things and how much of it do I need to tailor to fit what we have right now. And so, uh, you know, that's that's each coach's decision. Matt's, a, you know, we tried to do the best we could at East Carolina, and I know they'll do the best that they can there. Was there something oh, here when you got here? When, you know, you had Joe yeah, and I think, yeah, I think, yeah, no, I think anytime you, you go somewhere new, that's that's part of it is learning about those guys and what they do best and then balancing that with, Getting implemented, what you think is best scheme was. What's going on with Lampkin? Yeah, uh, we sat him last week. Uh, he had a uh, situation from the spring, uh, academic-related situation that we that we sat him last week. But he'll uh, be available here for us uh, from here on out. What steps forward did you see in the running game on Saturday? Oh, we finally popped a couple of big ones. Um, you know, that was we probably blocked a little bit better on the perimeter with our receivers, although we're still not where we want to be there yet. Um, I think all the guys ran pretty hard, you know, ran pretty consistent. Uh, I think we're starting to gel a little bit between our backs and our old linemen. Um, you know, old linemen understanding these backs and the way they hit it, the way that they run, um, and then our backs understanding, you know, kind of our old line and, and where the creases are going to be. So we're Still work in progress like all of it, but I thought we took a couple of good steps. Is it safe to assume that the uh, that that's kind of a nagging injury with Mark Andrews? <coughs> you, are you contemplating getting him 100% healthy before he goes, or is he back in? No, he's 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 really close to 100% now, and we expect he'll be 100% by game time. Several of the players today talked about how this might be a closer team than in the past couple of years. Can you get a gauge through three games if that might be the case? It's always hard to compare them, but I, I do think this team is close. Um, I think we, I think we have a lot of leadership. I, I've said it a lot on on all sides of the ball and really in all these different position rooms, um, which I think helps that. I think the fact that they our guys are already so close with this 2017 recruiting class and the way they've come in has been good. And then I think too, anytime you you face something traumatic as a team and you're able to come out through it, it, it helps you grow together. And, you know, I, however we want to describe it, I mean, the head coach is changing is a big deal in their lives. Um, and so the fact that they 
have handled all of it the way they did and stuck together and stuck with us through all of it, I think I think that kind of helped bring this team together too. Lincoln, it's one thing to, to have some issues defensively against a triple option you haven't seen and have trouble preparing for, but it's another when a defensive front gets pushed back and they're gaining four and five, six yards just on that dive play. Can you address that? Well, it's, it, it's, not, all, it's not all pushed back. That's what, you know, anytime there's a run up the middle, everybody, the first thing they want to say is, well, we're, we're getting – we're getting pushed back on the D line. I, there was a, there were some. Did, did we get pushed back at times? A, a few times early. Um, the biggest issue though was us coming out of gaps. Um, and uh, again, I thought early, it, it, early it was us overrunning gaps, and I think just, just almost a little bit overly aggressive. And then after they scored the first one, we saw some guys panicking and, and, and try to do their own things, and guys just going out of the wrong gaps, just trying to make a play to get us going. And then once we finally just settled in and just played our gaps, played it aggressively, you know, then it was shut down the rest of the night. What, do you, what have you seen from Kenneth Murray now in three games? He's, you know, he's a work in progress. He's the, the, the good flashes are really, really good. Um, he, was a little, he was a little bit shaky in the beginning of the UTEP game and the beginning of this game the other day. Um, but I like how he's responded as a freshman. And, and he just he's, – he's a sponge. He takes it all in. He's in the facility all day with those guys. Uh, he's just getting better and better quickly. So I, I like his progress. I like his mentality. Um, we know we need him to be good right now. And I think he's – each week he, he plays a little bit better. And so uh, I think he's in the right direction. Lincoln, you mentioned, you know, finding your tempo earlier. How different has that been? I mean, I think there was a point where – Tulane had like a 16 to 6 time of possession edge on you guys. Is that a feel you have, or do you just have to let your offense run itself? Or are you all con- are you constantly aware of how is this going to affect our defense now that you're the head coach? No, I've, I've I've always tried to be aware of it. Not that I've done the best job at it, but I've I've always called, and I, I I say always. I think that's something I really learned from Bob and took a lot from him was calling plays to help the team, not just help the offense. So we've we've. We've adjusted the tempo a lot here over the last few years. We've never played full gas for a whole game, and we've never just sat there and, and played slow the entire game either. So we, we know we got to be able to do both. And so uh, some of it's schematic to help the offense. Some of it's a feel for the team. And that's, yeah, I've got to do a good job discerning between, between the two. Have you had defensive coordinators mad at you in the past then at other schools or whatever for tempo? Hey, he's going too fast. I think. There, there's been some time, definitely, probably early in my career at East Carolina, where I could have done a better job with that. Sure, I mean, you just in the beginning, all you think about is score, 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 and all, all offense, and you. But it's a team game, and uh, but that's you know, Mike and I, all those guys have worked together here so many years that I think we, we've 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 worked well together, and we've got a good feel, and I think Mike calls it with, you know, with us in mind too, and he knows that we do the same thing. How much of that has helped you kind of expand your philosophy with the running game then too? Because people talk about you, yeah. compare you to Mike, and they say, well, Lincoln is, is, a, is a lot more involved in the running game you know, than Mike maybe. Yeah, I, th- I think being able to, to close games, being able – I mean, if you're going to win championships, you've got to be able to run the football. I mean, period. You're going to play in tough weather. You're going to play in close games at the end. There's going to be tough yards. I mean, you can win some games here and there throwing the ball all the time, but if you're going to win championships, you have to be able to run the ball. And so I think that 
also, and then also, again, just the personnel that we've had here, the backs we've had, the linemen that we've had. Um, and it's something deep down that I, I mean, this is, if I had to pick on how we would want to run something anywhere, this, how we're doing it right now is pretty close to it. Lincoln, beginning last season, Baker started running a lot less, and that's kind of continued through this season. What do you kind of attribute to that? His, his maturity, um, I think him understanding, you know, what's best for him, you know, what's best for the team. Uh, he's, he's quicker to stay in the pocket now, you know, and, and kind of let things ride out. Um, and then we're, we're aware of it, you know, as far as the way we design and the way we call plays. I mean, we're, we've got a lot of guys that are really, really good at running the football. You know, we can use him here, you know, here and there, but we're going we're gonna to try to have these other guys run as much as possible on him. You know, we, we're, we will never here be a predominantly quarterback run team. I mean, we're going to recruit guys that can move around and do it when we need them to, but, you know, that's not going to be their primary job here. Was there an emphasis last season on telling him, hey, don't run as much, we don't have a ton of quarterback depth? Was, was that a concern or was that talked about at all? Yeah, no, and I, some of it because of the depth, but some of it he just needed to progress that direction as a quarterback. So it, uh, I think I would say for both reasons. Lincoln Baker said that Saturday's game was his worst game since Ohio State last year. Would you agree with that assessment? Mm. I don't know. I'd have to think more back. Uh, he didn't play his best. I mean, he he knows that. I I don't. Was it his worst game since Ohio State? I don't know. I mean, he didn't he didn't play awful. Um, but he's got a pretty high standard for himself. Um, and I would say again, I, I thought decision making overall was pretty good. I would say just physically, just missed some throws that the guy just doesn't normally miss. So I mean, but I mean, he, you know, whatever. Still had. 304 tugs and no interceptions. So if that's if that's bad, we'll be okay. Is it ever a concern when a guy like that is is so critical or so hard on himself, or do you want guys kind of kind of feeling that that's, being that? Yeah, it's a fine line. It's it, it's definitely a fine line. You want them to be critical and expect to play very well, but nobody's going to play perfect, and they've got to be able to, to to deal with it and not not get too down on themselves. So that's. That's not something with him, though, and the amount of ball he's played and all he's been through, not something that would concern me. Maybe with a younger quarterback it would. Did his concussion in 2015 factor into how he scrambles in the, in the pocket or scrambles out of the pocket? Um, I don't know that that one play in particular did. Um, I mean, of course, you don't want to take unnecessary hits. That one was a little bit of a different deal because it was you know, pretty blatant. Um, uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it's just more of, hey, this is how I need to progress as a quarterback and the best thing for our team. Command of the offense as well fit fit into that, his progression, just the fact that he knows so much more about it now and so much more instinctive. I think that, but I think it's probably more trust than command. I mean, he had a good, by that point in his sophomore year, he had a pretty good feel for what we were doing. But I think knowing it and trusting it are two different things. Lincoln, how has... uh, has Obo taken it to another level? And if so, how good is he and what, what's making him better? Yeah, I, I think yesterday or Saturday's game is a, a great example. I, I told you, I think yesterday, I don't know that two years ago he would have been very effective in a game like that where you've got to think, you've got to really play assignment football. Um, he was a little bit more of just turn you loose and go. And you kind of held your breath if there was anything assignment-wise to it a few years ago. Um, now he can... He's just much more controlled. He knows when he can turn it loose. He understands when he can do that within the context of defense and when he needs to play really assignment sound. And so he's just a much more versatile player, which has allowed us to 
you know, allow Mike and those guys to, to use him in different ways to play him more um, and, and keep him on the field more, which is obviously a positive thing for us. Lincoln, with the running backs, it seems like it's been somebody different every week kind of take that position during the games. Do you consider that a luxury or would you rather have somebody separate themselves right now and be that feature back? I'm, I'm good either way. You know, I, I got asked about that earlier. Uh, I don't. However, it ends up playing out. It, it doesn't. I really don't care. You know, as long as it, we're getting the production. Um, you know, if we have some guys go down, or if we have uh, a couple of guys that that step up and separate themselves, and yes, the, the reps will you know start to narrow down a little bit. Um, but right now, those guys are all playing well. Um, they're all progressing. We're using all of them on special teams in different areas, and they're doing a good job there too. So. I don't know that I would sit there and say that I want it to go one direction or not. I think it's something that, as the season unfolds, we're just going to let play out. What you told you about the Big 12 Conference now that conference season started? You know, I haven't honestly watched, other than Baylor now, I haven't watched a lot of the other teams much this year yet. Um, but I think, you know, I think the conference is strong. I think it's going to be a really good year. I mean, you've got... You know, I, I didn't see, really even seen the new rankings yet, but we've we had a lot of people ranked going into last week. Played a lot of really good games. Have played some tough out non-conference competition. You got two teams. I know now. I do know the top six. I got two, and I think in the top six right now. So the conference is strong. There's a lot of really good players, and I think there's a lot of teams that are uh, you know that are headed the right direction. How have you and your staff and your players to manage this free safety spot that you've had to shuffle since you know, before camp? Yeah, it's been it's been. It's been interesting, you know, but but Kerry uh, Kerry Cooks has done a really good job with it. You know, we you know luckily we had a lot of we had some depth there, and we had some guys that have played in some games. Um, you know, Will was you know playing well for us, um, and then you know obviously you know now you know Khalil uh, used Robert Barnes some. I mean, we've had to train a lot of people at it, and uh, but the guys that have been in there have stepped up and and have played well. So again, it's just I would say another really great example of. How well we've recruited, the, the the depth that we've developed. In that vein, how has how good has Stephen Parker been? Steady and you know getting guys in next to him and around him and getting yep. guys in the right position. Yeah, his 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 leadership has been really key. His knowledge and experience has been really key. Um, he's playing well for us too. So he's he's kind of a, a steadying factor and force for us in the secondary right now. Lincoln, any uh, updates on, on your practice fields when you might be able to move in there? Yeah, yeah, we're, we're pretty pumped about that. I think uh, the plan right now is to get out there on the bye week next, next week and uh, just kind of get acclimated to it um, and then should be out there full time after that, which, which is going to be great. I mean, our, our rugby fields that we go down and use on Tuesday and Wednesday, the space is awesome, but there's the – the, the time that you lose in transition, you know, back and forth each day, th this is going to be a, a great, great thing. So a lot of us that have only been here for a few years, that's all we ever know. So practicing out here is going to be pretty cool. What's been Aiden Miller's status? Yeah, he's had a little bit of a nagging injury uh, from camp that's just – it's really, really close, but not not quite ready to go yet. So we're we're pushing him through. We're hoping to have him back here in the next week or so. Coach, you had some early struggles defensively against UTEP and against Tulane, were able to right the ship. Where does the credit go in terms of making the adjustments and getting things back on track as opposed to maybe having things fall off the rails? Oh, just the, the, the staff has made the adjustments when necessary. I think the players, though, have had a good mentality, even though if you don't start off right, you've got to keep swinging, and they, they've done that. 
they've settled in. Um, so I think they've got a lot of confidence in what we're doing defensively, and that shows in situations like that. How much is Ruffin involved in, in that type of thing versus just coaching his position? Oh, he's you know he he brings a lot mentality-wise to us. I mean, there's no doubt. He, he the energy and mentality that that he brings as a coach is is really really good. So I think he's he's been a good addition all the way around. I mean, he's working well with those guys. Um, I, I've, we've been very happy with the you know the D line being able to be split up between him and Calvin. We think that's just those guys are working well together. Um, but he he's got a presence out there that not just defensively. I think the whole team you know feels it. So there you have it, the Lincoln-Riley press conference wrapping up the game plan here on the Sooner Sports Podcast. want to give a big thank you to everyone who has subscribed, everyone who has spread the word, and uh, everyone who reached out to thank all of our great sponsors, the Riverwind Resort, the place to be, uh, Allstate, Allstate Insurance, a proud supporter of the Sooner Sports Podcast and the Sooner Radio Network. Can't thank you guys enough uh, as well for helping to spread the word. Soonersports.tv slash podcast as we continue to bring you nothing but Sooner news, and hopefully we can provide your inside link to Sooner football, Sooner basketball, Sooner baseball, and of course, Sooner softball. I'd be remiss, though, if I didn't give congratulations to Melissa Lombardi. As we are taping this, Coach Lombardi has been named the Assistant Coach of the Year in softball. Well-deserved. I can't wait to start talking softball again here in a couple of months. But as for now, it's all football all the time. Coming up on Thursday's podcast, uh, we tape Thursday. It drops on Friday, so one of these days my brain will get that right. So coming up on Friday's podcast, you'll hear from Baker Mayfield. We'll get an update on Mark Andrews' injury from Mark Andrews himself, plus Stephen Parker the second. Also, we'll go in-depth a bit on Baylor. We'll hear from John Morris, the voice of the Baylor Bears, and maybe see if we can't talk Teddy Lehman into coming back on with us and helping us preview the Big 12 opener as we slide into a bye week already. The Sooners have started the season 3-0. Again, thanks for downloading. You can go to Soonersports.tv slash podcast to subscribe. And until Friday, have a great week. And Boomer Sooner, everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air. Yeah.